Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Stephen Langford in with you. I hope you are having a fantastic Wednesday as I've had a hectic morning. I'm not going to lie to you, but we're going to get through it here for the next hour. Of course, we got Warriors, Celtics, Game 6 coming up tomorrow night. And we are going to get to what Draymond Green had to say on his podcast because I do think he shared a few interesting things. And now that we are a couple of days removed, too, from Game 5, there is one storyline that I kind of brushed off on the text line when they mentioned it yesterday after the game. And it turns out that this conversation actually has some legs, and I just do not think there's any need to have this conversation, and I think people are out of their mind based on this conversation. Well, that's just me, and we'll get to all that uh, later on, but I do want to start with some baseball. We haven't talked baseball in a very long time, and rightfully so. Um, who really is caring about baseball right now? But this is my one time to do it, I feel like, because I'm going to be talking Warriors for the next couple of days, and then probably leading into next week. So this is the time, if I'm going to get the Giants talk going, this is when it'll be. Now, last night they beat the Royals... They're on a nice little winning streak right now after sweeping the Dodgers and then taking two here from the Royals after that embarrassment against Colorado. Logan Webb last night was on the bump. He was awesome. He had nine strikeouts going seven strong with five hits. Uh, Been a rough month of June for Logan Webb because he had that game against Miami back at the beginning of the month where he was taken out after four and two-thirds. And even though he had six Ks and had only given up four hits... He was still taken out in that game. 
I didn't really understand the logic there, nor did he. Um, then you get you had that game against Colorado where there were four errors, two of which went to Tyro Estrada, and still some of the earned runs um, Logan Webb was on the hook for, which I didn't necessarily agree with. Uh, but he ended up taking the L there. So it was a good bounce back. The Kansas City Royals stink. <laughs> Let's just face it. They really, they're really not a good team. Uh, but on the backs of some good defense from the Giants, they had a couple of nice plays. Wilmer Flores uh, with the diving stop. And then Luis Gonzalez from the outfield. I'm not going to say he saved Logan Webb, but it could have gotten ugly if he didn't make this throw. Flip to right. Gonzalez gets to it. Here's his throw home. It is in time. They got him. A great throw and an even greater tag by Austin Wins. And that was in the top of the seventh, and that was the end of Logan Webb's start. So he had seven strong, didn't give up a run after that awesome play by Luis Gonzalez and an even better tag uh, by Wins behind the plate, who I actually really like uh, as a replacement for Bart. And then Camilo Doval comes in and gets the save. And oh, by the way, Logan Webb with 20 swing and misses in this game. Guys were whiffing on that pitch. The slider, the movement with the fastball, the changeup that he has. Guys were not catching up to it. But again, the Royals lineup, they're not very good. Outside of Bobby Witt Jr., who I think is going to turn into a terrific player, uh, they don't really have many pieces. Salvador Perez, okay, you can name me that one. Uh, but other than that, not many others. Um, Camilo Doval comes in and gets the save. And don't look now, but Camilo Doval has turned into one of the better closers in the league. And if you go to the leaderboards in terms of how hard these guys throw. Well, Camilo Doval, whenever he throws his fastball, it doesn't happen a lot. He's more so uh, he, he more so throws a cut fastball instead of an, a four-seamer. But when it comes to his four-seamer, with a minimum of 50 pitches, he has averaged the highest miles per hour out of anybody in the league. And then when, his, when it comes to his cutter, he's averaged the second highest miles per hour when it comes to his cutter, and then when he has that slider, he's averaging 87 miles an hour on that. His four-seamer, he's averaging over 100 on that. He threw 102 last night. He's been doing that consistently. His cutter, he throws that 98 to 99 easy. And then when it comes to his slider, he throws that thing 87 miles an hour. So this dude is giving you a different array of pitches, and his breaking ball is 10 miles an hour slower than his original pitch. The dude is rolling right now. He's currently got nine saves so far on the season. The He hasn't really given up an earned run since that outing against the Marlins. There's been a couple of odd times where Gabe Kapler's brought him in the sixth inning. It's like, no, this guy's the closer. He's the definitive closer. Tyler Rogers is not that guy anymore. We thought Tyler Rogers was that guy. He was one of the best relievers in the league to start out the season. We were talking Tyler Rogers all-star, but that's, uh, that's no longer the case. But Camilo Doval has just been fantastic. He's currently got a 2.63 ERA on the season. So there's not much to break down from the game because really it was a pitcher's duel throughout. And if you want to put Logan Webb's swing and misses into perspective, by the way, uh, he had 20 and the starting pitcher for the Royals, he ended up having nine. And it was Bubich. Bubich was the name of the pitcher for the Royals. And he was pitching pretty well. 
Hadn't given up that hit until Brandon Crawford got one. Uh, but he only had nine swing and misses on the day. So that should give you a little comparison when it comes to Logan Webb and how, how well he played. But bigger picture here. This is what I want to want to get into. When it comes to the Giants, I think they're in a real conundrum right now. Because they're 35-26 and 26 on the year. They're currently three games back of the San Diego Padres, who are who are tied for first. The Padres are thirty nine and twenty four, while the Dodgers are thirty eight and twenty three. So, really, the only reason that the Dodgers are at the top of the NL West is because they've played two fewer games than the Padres, so their winning percentage is a little higher. Uh, but thirty five and twenty six is good enough for the Giants to be right there in the wild card race. They're 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 fighting with Atlanta right now for the second wild card spot. Atlanta thirty six and twenty seven. Then this next second best team is the Milwaukee Brewers, and they're thirty four and twenty nine. So right now it appears that the National League West is um, the top three teams at least are the class of the National League. Even though the the Cardinals and the Mets and you expect the Braves to continue to bounce back, the Braves are. You know, they've been fantastic. They're on a 10 game winning streak right now. Uh, Philadelphia's 31 and 31. They got a new manager and they've seemed to pick things up since then. I don't know what they're going to look like toward the end of the year. The Brewers have just been ravaged by injuries and it's the same thing with the Giants, too. Um, but upcoming is the. Major League Baseball trade deadline. And this is where I think the the Giants are in a conundrum here. It's because if they end up winning the next month and a half and they seem to go on this winning streak which puts them right there with it for the National League West title, you know, and they're they're competing for first. I don't know if that's going to happen, but let's just say it does. Then I do think that the Giants are going to be buyers. And I know what well, you're thinking. Oh my God, Stephen, why are you already talking about trade deadline? Well, because the Giants need some other piece if they want to get over the top. They need something. And Bradford Doolittle from ESPN wrote an article that came out this morning, and I'm really glad he did because it. Came out at 4 o'clock this morning, just over an hour ago, and I was thinking on my way in about the trade deadline because last year, obviously, the Giants made the move for Chris Bryant, you know, and they didn't have to give up nearly as much as we thought they were going to have to give up. So you could get some pieces, but I just don't know where the Giants will stand at the trade deadline. Like, if they are right in the middle... And they, you know, they they have a 500 record going forward, maybe a little bit better than that. And they're still in the same spot that they're in now, where they are fighting for the second wild card spot. Maybe they could get that third. And that third one, well, it's basically added on because they expanded the playoff rosters because that's what happened with the whole CBA and baseball and the players and the Major League Baseball Association versus their. Players Association, Major League Baseball wanted to expand the playoff teams, and then Major League Baseball said, hey, we'll give you 14. The Players Association said no, and then they said, give us more money, and then we'll give you 12, and then they said, okay. So that's how the CBA was agreed upon, and that was one of the things. So if the Giants are fighting for a third wild card spot or the second, I mean, if you're at that point when you're going to the trade deadline, do you really want to make any trades? I mean, the only name I'm seeing right now is Wilson Contreras, the catcher from the Cubs. Like, okay, 
And you could go ahead and do that. That's fine. But is that really going to put you over the top? Is that really worth one of these players within the minor leagues? Now, let's just say a guy like Juan Soto is up there. Then, yes, I'd be very much into that. I'd say trade anybody within the minors if you could bring in Juan Soto to this team. But the Nationals... They tried to dispute a report that came out a couple of months ago saying that their national star, Juan Soto, is not going to be up for trade because he's going to be up for a contract extension. He's a very young player. He's 24 years old, if I'm not mistaken, 23, 24 years old. And this dude is up for a big extension because he's been doing this thing in the league since he was 19. And Juan Soto is a beast. So you could trade anything for him. But coming up to the trade deadline, it's just... I don't know if there are any of those other big name players out there. I'm sure there will some there will be some that'll pop up, but I'm not sure if any of those big name players will be on the teams that are, you know, selling. I mean I mean I really think the Giants are in a peculiar situation right now where it's just all right, if we win a bunch of games, then maybe we go all out and, and get a star. But really, with this trade deadline, what it's leading into is by the end of July, it's I think it's just going to be underwhelming just based on where the Giants are in this season. Now, where I think the Giants are and where I think they'll be toward the end, I think they're going to be right where Vegas said they were going to be at the beginning of the year. 85 and a half wins, that win total that Vegas set, the over under on 85 and a half, I think that line was perfect. If, if you were going to say, yeah, I'm thinking under, you can make the argument there. If you're saying you're thinking over, okay, you can make the argument there. I don't think they're going to win 90 games. I think if you win 86, 87, I think that's a re- I think that's a real possibility for this Giants team. But I really don't know. I really don't know. And once they start getting these players back from the injured list, it's been real tough uh, on their season. You know, late night Lamont has turned into IL Lamont. Brandon Belt has just come back. Jacob Judas, the guy who was a great story being called up to the starting rotation. He's on the IL. Alex Cobb on the IL. Second stint on the IL. It's been nonstop IL, IL, IL. That's been the story for this Chides team so far this season. So... I, I I really don't I'm really curious to see what happens with the trade deadline. I'm just getting that out there now. Getting that out there now, month and a half ahead, just to let you know that we are thinking here on the pregame show about the trade deadline. Now, outside of the Giants, something happened in baseball yesterday, and I just want to play this highlight for you. Miles Michaelis, who's a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals, he had a no hitter going through the eighth. And when I saw that update, I took a break during the Giants game. I didn't watch the fourth inning. I didn't watch the fourth inning because there was a no-hitter going. And this dude already had 120 pitches down going into the ninth. And on his 129th pitch, he's got the batter with two strikes. There are two outs. There are no runners on, and on the 129th pitch, this happens. The 2-2 pitch. Fly ball into center. Bader going back, 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 over his head. It's a clean hit. It's a ground rule double. And Cal Mitchell breaks up the no-hitter as the Pirates were down to their final strike. This dude is 33 years old. 
who knows if he's going to have another shot at getting a no-hitter. I was trying to think of the equivalent, you know, and the only equivalent I could think of when it comes to basketball would be like if, you know, Clay Thompson was kept in that Bulls game as he was trying to go for the three-point record, and he just didn't knock down the shot. <laughs> and he completely missed it at the end of the fourth quarter. Like, that's what it would have been like if Clay would have done that. It's like if, uh, and in football, it's like if a quarterback, I don't know, was going for a, com- uh, a completion percentage of 100 for a complete game. No incompletions at all. Like, that's what I consider would be the equivalent. But he had a no-hitter going. And on the 129th pitch, his arm's a noodle already. You could see that he had fatigue. Oh, my God. Just I felt terrible for the guy. My heart broke. I don't even care about the Cardinals. I don't care. I even care less about the Pirates. <laughs> and he had a no-hitter going and then gives up the ground rule double to close things out. Turned off the game after that. I didn't even know what happened. Cardinals were up 9-1. It's not like they were going to lose. And that was the other odd situation. I was like, 9-1. How the hell does he have a no-hitter going? And they have one run already on the board. But nevertheless, who cares about the Cardinals and the Pirates? But that no-hitter right there, something's happened in baseball every day. And that was something wild. All right. Coming up next, I do want to get to what Draymond had to say on his latest podcast, specifically about Andrew Wiggins, because he is making some fantastic comparisons. Plus, we'll replay Steve Kerr coming up at uh, 535, and then there's something coming out from this series that I just think is a conversation that doesn't even need to be had. We'll get to all that coming up later on in the show. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining the pregame show. 888-957-9570 is the Xfinity Mobile text line and the phone number. Stephen Lankford in with you, 95.7 The Game. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. I was irresponsible, everybody. 
That was irresponsible. I teased going into this segment that we were going to get to some of Draymond Green's sound from the podcast because Draymond talked about Andrew Wiggins and put his defense into perspective. So I do want to play that sound from Draymond's podcast, but I'm sorry, I made a mistake. After Poole had that third quarter buzzer beater, and you know what, I'm just going to play it right now. This was from Game 5. Tatum going to use a lot of clock. He's got Wiggins on him. Now doubled by Poole, and Wiggins nearly threw it away. Got it to Jalen Brown. Deep three contested. Great Warrior D. Three seconds to work with. Wiggins has it at two, at one. Pool three. Banked it in. He banked it in. Of course, that was Bob Fitzgerald on on the call. Excuse me. On the call. (laughs) But we do have, from that last game, you remember... I did the same type of segment the day after the game. We have the international calls of Jordan Bull's buzzer beater in the third quarter. I should have known. That's my mistake. I apologize. Now, 888-957-9570 is the Xfinity mobile text line. It's also the phone number if you'd like to weigh in. But please let me know, what is your favorite international call of Jordan Poole's buzzer beater? Now, we got that one from Bob Fitzgerald. He was ecstatic over that. Ecstatic. Him and Tim Roy, both fantastic on the call. I'm glad both of them were able to call it Jordan Poole third quarter buzzer beater. Uh, But let's start off. The international calls. And this, to me, was... The turning point in the game. I said this yesterday, but it was kind of like in Game 3 when the Warriors go on this third quarter flurry, but then Steve Kerr ends up taking Steph out and the Celtics manage to come back and still have a lead going into the fourth quarter. No matter what the Celtics did in that third quarter, even though they were awesome to start out, they couldn't miss a shot in the third quarter. And when they went on that... 19-4 to run, I believe, was what it was. Even still, they weren't able to close out that third quarter. And it ended on the Jordan Poole buzzer beater. And I think going into the fourth, after putting in all that work in the third, I think they just ran out of gas in the fourth quarter while the Warriors were still playing some suffocating defense. And then you have all of them going after the refs and everything that happened in the fourth quarter. But the Jordan Poole buzzer beater in the third was crucial, I think, just to break the spirit of the Celtics and what what spirits were riding high throughout that third quarter. So let's get to the international calls here. This is the Spanish call via ESPN Deportes. Sounded like he already uh, sounded like he already made that call before. <laughs> like he expected that from Jordan Poole. So that was a Spanish call from ESPN Deportes. Let's get to the French call via BN Sports. BN Sports, as if you're a soccer fan, football fan, then you know what BN Sports is. But this is the French call of Jordan Poole's buzzer beater. Oh, 
sur un malentendu et un chute avec Maria. Et c'est vraiment l'ultime dixième, on va revoir ça. I don't know. See, I liked that French call, but then you compare it to the last French call from the last Jordan Poole buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter. I don't know. It doesn't really compare. This one, not as good as that other one. On a bien fait de les gratiner, hein. Mais comment, comment c'est possible Ah, c'est nouveau, ça I'm sorry, the first one was better. First one was better from that first uh, third quarter buzzer beater. All right, let's stick with Game 5. This is the Italian call. The Italian call, and I want to make sure I get the credit right here. This is the Italian call via Sky Sports. The Wiggins, un secondo tiro di Is a new one, man. I don't. I think I'm going to say that every single time that Jordan Poole makes a shot. Boom! Tony Wiggins, un secondo tiro di Poole. Tiro da tre di Jordan. Poole. Il fulmine colpisce due volte. All right. So the the Italian call. It's the best international call so far. We didn't have the Italian call from the last buzzer beater, buzzer beater from Jordan Poole. I wish these things would come out like a little earlier, you know, because you got to wait for them to be posted, and they don't necessarily get posted till the afternoon. I wish these would get posted prior to the 5 a.m. show. Uh, but this is the last one. This is the Portuguese call via ESPN Brazil. Jordan Poole, the third quarter buzzer beater. Fantastic. And you look, you need Jordan Poole to you need Jordan Poole to be the guy that he was toward the end of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter through the rest of the series. Of course, he was more consistent um, in game four, rather. Game five, what he he seemed to be back to the Jordan Poole that we've kind of come to know through these final series, which is just, you know, try and put eight different moves on his defender and maybe try and lay the ball up. Um, but you need to see him be a more patient type of Jordan Poole. He was getting open looks. He was big um, getting the scoring going in the fourth quarter. Even though you know the Celtics, they, they, they did manage to make it close. And there was a time when you thought, oh boy, can the, can the Warriors give this thing up? Especially when Steph Curry was on the bench. But Jordan Poole kind of alleviated any of that worry. So you need him to be that guy throughout the game. But he was crucial. He was crucial in Game 5. We didn't really give him enough credit uh, for what he did. From the 5-1-0, I love these foreign language calls. Damon Bruce said the French dude in the second clip sounds like Kerr if he had a chain-smoking habit. All right, let's listen to that again, knowing that we have that information. This is the Jordan Poole French buzzer beater via BN Sports. Il l'a fait 
fait, fin du troisième, le même en couleur, mais ah, avec la gauche. Et il vient, les Warriors passent devant sur un malentendu et un chute avec Maria. Et c'est vraiment l'ultime dixième, on va revoir ça. Yeah, it's like the French version of Doc Rivers. <laughs> it's like if Doc Rivers was the uh, was the play-by-play guy for being sports, and he spoke French. I don't know. Does Doc Rivers speak French? You never know. You never know. Someone could be someone could speak multiple languages. You, I, I don't know. But I, you, now, now I need to hear Doc Rivers speak French, <laughs> based on that guy. Oh man, I love those international calls. All right, you know what? We'll push it back. What Draymond had to say, putting Wiggins' defense into perspective. We'll get to that next. And then Steve Kerr talking about his relationship with Draymond Green because I think that's also been a talking point throughout these finals because of what happened at the end of not game five, but game four. So we'll get to all that next. Stephen Langford on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Oh, man. Drake from Mountain View. Drake from Mountain View at the Xfinity Mobile text line at 888-957-9570 comes in with the joke of the week. The guy on the international call, the French call via BN Sports. Calling the Jordan Poole third quarter buzzer beater. He's not Doc Rivers, because he sounds like Doc Rivers, but Jacques Rivers. Sur un malentendu et un chute avec Maria. Et c'est vraiment l'ultime dixième, on va revoir ça. <laughs> I can't get over that, Jacques Rivers. Atta boy, Drake from Mountain View. By the way, keeping up with you on Instagram. Been seeing your golf game. Golf game looking good, Drake. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. If this is your first time tuning in on this Wednesday, for whatever reason that you're tuning in to 95.7 The Game on a random Wednesday when there isn't a game ahead of us, good morning, welcome, and thank you so much for taking some time to listen to this show this morning. And as you can tell from Drake from Mountain View, we got comedic listeners here. We got people who know comedy. But we are going to talk some basketball for the rest of the half hour leading up until 6 o'clock. Now, I do want to get to what Draymond had to say uh, about Andrew Wiggins because I I think this is a. I think Andrew Wiggins has been one of the most fascinating stories, not just in this finals, but throughout this postseason. I I think that when we were talking about the storylines, Prior to uh, when we were talking about the storylines prior to this series, I thought when you look just individually at every player on the Warriors, this finals means something to them. You know, obviously, we know about Steph and everything surrounding him. You know, we understand that Dre and Looney and Clay, all these guys are on to winning their next ring, especially Clay, you know, coming back from the two injuries. You know, Draymond Green still getting another ring, even though people don't believe that he 
Some people don't believe that he deserves those rings because he's been playing with Steph and Clay and KD. Kind of the same thing with, uh, it's kind of like the argument people are making for Steph. The people make that same argument for Draymond, which I vehemently disagree with. And then you look at Jordan Poole and GP2 and all the individual storylines, but none of them, I mean, Clay's maybe, but I thought Andrew Wiggins was just fascinating and how he's been playing through this postseason guarding every team's best player on offense and then having to be a rebounding machine and he's lived up to every single one of those expectations all the way through game five of the NBA finals culminating in the last two games totaling 29 rebounds just unbelievable from Andrew Wiggins but the other thing is His defense and what he's been doing on Jason Tatum specifically and Draymond Green on his podcast on the Draymond Green show via Volume Sports. This is what Draymond had to say. He tried to put Wiggins in the defense that he's been playing into perspective uh, when it comes to him and Jason Tatum. On top of Wiggs or having the game that he had offensively. His defense was absolutely incredible as well. Uh, taking on the responsibility of guarding Jason Tatum is not an easy task for anyone. Uh, as he is a young superstar in this league, as he is a guy who, I told y'all before, at USA, it was Kevin's team. We all knew. We all know. No problem. Like, it's what it is. And you could see Kevin kind of do it, ushering JT into it being his team. When we needed a bucket, you know, Kay was doing his thing. But when we needed a bucket, all right, now go to JT. JT, go get us a bucket. And so that is the guy that I had the opportunity to spend a summer with, had the opportunity to win a gold medal with, and watch what he's capable of. And he is absolutely amazing. So for Wiggs to do the job that he's been doing defensively is is just a true testament to his will and his want to be great on the defensive end as he's been all playoff long. Now there's one other cut that I do want to play, but from the 408, this just came in at the Xfinity Mobile text line. I encourage everyone to go watch Andrew Wiggins' high school mixtape. It is ridiculous. So much talent. It's unbelievable. It's one of the best high school mixtapes that you'll see. This dude is just doing everything on the court. Everything. Knocking down shots, dunks, playing defense, And the way that he's able to jump. I mean, there was that whole article that was written about him earlier on this year. I believe it was from Baxter Holmes. But there's a bunch of analytical data that scouts bring in when it comes to athleticism. You know, with the way that you jump, the force that that you use when you get off the ground and all this sort of stuff. Andrew Wiggins blew everyone out of the water when it comes to those analytical scouting notes whenever you're talking about how high he can jump, you know, because it's not just all, oh yeah, what's his vert? Oh, how fast can he run a 40 and all of that? They go much deeper than that. And Andrew Wiggins, he was at the very top. Something that these guys had never seen before. That's why he was so highly touted. Not going, not only going into college, but going into the NBA. That's why Andrew Wiggins was such a huge story. Um, but let's get to Draymond and continue here and comparing Tatum to Durant, and then putting that into perspective with Wiggins' defense. JT is a legit six ten. The only player that you can even come remotely close to comparing him to in this league is is Kevin Durant. And we all know how I feel about Kevin Durant and what I think about him on the offensive end. One of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. Now, Jason Tatum is like a young version of that. Obviously don't have all the experience that Kevin has. 
Uh, Kevin's in what is 15th or 16th year. JT's in his fifth. And so you'll continue to see that grow. But nonetheless, who he is right now is absolutely amazing. And to see Wiggs doing the job that he's doing defensively uh, has been a key, key, key piece uh, of this game, of, of this series. Now, I'm not going to just pull up the fact that Andrew Wiggins is currently leading the team in total rebounds. I'm not going to just talk about the fact that he's holding Jason Tatum to 34% shooting. This is something to me that means just as much as the totality of numbers, but it's Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter. And I went back to look at this because in the last game, he was one of six. Tatum, whenever they get to the fourth quarter, he tends to overthink things. And even though they might get the matchup that they want, which the Celtics were doing consistently in this last game, you know, they were mostly trying to go at Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. And when they were able to get that switch, Jason Tatum was able to take advantage. But in the fourth quarter, Andrew Wiggins was fighting through screens. I mean, Clay Thompson was playing some good defense on Tatum, too. It's not to, it's not to take anything away from what he's been doing, but Andrew Wiggins was the one that's been taking him face guarding him, taking them all 94 feet. You know, like Andrew Wiggins has been the guy. And in the fourth quarter, in total, through the five games, Jason Tatum is now 5 of 21. 5 of 21 in his 45 minutes. He's got 16 points, and he's knocked down two threes, and four of which have been three throws on his six attempts. But he's also turned the ball over three times in that span. Jalen Brown has actually turned the ball over five times. So both those guys combining for eight turnovers in total in the fourth quarter. But a guy like that, a guy like Tatum, should not be turning the ball over. Like, that is a dude who shouldn't be passing in the fourth quarter. That is the guy who needs to take the shot. Now, Jalen Brown has actually been fantastic in the fourth quarter throughout this postseason. I think prior to this series, he was 20 of 30 from three throughout the postseason in the fourth quarter. Some astronomical numbers. He was awesome. But Jason Tatum does not mean to be the guy who is distributing the ball. Jason needs Jason Tatum needs to be the guy who the ball is distributed to and taking the shots. So the reason that he's not getting those easy looks and the reason that he's turning the ball over in the fourth quarter is because Andrew Wiggins has been playing some terrific defense on him. Now, this is something that I wanted to this is something that I wanted to bring up and this was Texted to me yesterday at the Xfinity Mobile Text Line. And of course, if you'd like to get those in, triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. And I am going to ask you right now, point blank, do you think that this Andrew Wiggins finals MVP conversation should be a conversation? Do you think it should be? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Do you feel like this Wiggins final MVP thing should be a conversation at all? Do you think it's just a non-story? Because I thought it was a non-story. Like, that's how I looked at it. Finals MVP. We already got, we already got word from Magic Johnson that Steph has already won the finals MVP. No matter who wins these games, it doesn't matter. Steph has already won finals MVP after four games. He already said that prior to game five. 
And then Steph goes out and goes 0 for for the first time in 233 games. Goes 0 for 9 from the three-point line. Didn't expect that from Steph. But that spurred everyone on to bringing the Andrew Wiggins Finals MVP conversation into play. Now, the only comparison you have here is, of course, what happened with Andre Iguodala. And if you look at Andre Iguodala's numbers from that Finals MVP year in 2015, he averaged 16.3 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 4 assists per game. Now, when it comes to Andrew Wiggins, he is averaging 18 points per game. He is averaging 9 rebounds a game. Obviously, those last two helped within those averages. And he's only averaging 1 assist. And then you'd bring in the defense that Andre Iguodala was playing on LeBron James. And, of course, LeBron James was still averaging over 30 within the finals. But still, he was turning the ball over. He was constantly keeping his hands active Andre Iguodala was you know he was playing the he was kind of playing the role that GP2 is playing right now which is just being a pest no matter how much LeBron scored Andre Iguodala still playing some great overall defense in that 2015 finals that's not to say he absolutely deserved it but that's what we got to look at here and in my opinion I just do not think that Wiggins in the finals MVP conversation is going to be a thing. Like, I just, I understand that everyone wants to go crazy over it because I'm looking at an Instagram post and I'm seeing all the comments. Andrew Wiggins finals MVP. And then you see the likes. This is, this is, you know what? I'm just going to rant a little bit here. This is the issue with social media because. There will be an opinion that's put on Twitter or on Instagram, and then it will get a bunch of retweets and a bunch of likes, and this will somehow, subconsciously, somehow you'll look at that tweet, you'll look at that Instagram, and you'll, you know, you'll, th- you'll have one thought in your head, and then you'll see all the likes, all the retweets, and then you're thinking, oh wow, oh wait, people agree with this take that's different than mine? Maybe that's the right one. Maybe that's the right opinion to have. That, that's a total issue within today's society. But that's what I saw when it comes to the Andrew Wiggins Finals MVP thing. And I'm like, I, every single comment, wow, Wiggins Finals MVP absolutely deserves it. Oh, my God. And then, he, and then you get thousands of likes on there. And I'm thinking, people actually like agree with that? Like, to me, Steph, like, I don't even want this to be a conversation because I think Steph is going to win it. But I just can't believe it. I was shocked at how many people think that Wiggins, like, actually deserves to win this thing over Steph. I, I was just, I was in shock by that. I didn't even think it was going to be a conversation. You heard how much I, I despised the finals MVP talk when it came to Steph Curry prior to the finals. It's just like, how did this conversation even come up? How do we even start talking about it? Who really cares about the finals MVP situation? But then this whole Andrew Wiggins thing after the Andrew Wiggins game in game five. But in totality, what Steph's been doing, like he's been doing it for four straight games and he has been carrying this team. Like it's not just what he's done. It's not the fourth quarter. Because in the fourth quarter, Steph's actually gotten off to some slow starts. 
He really has. I go back to that game three, and you look at that fourth quarter. You start off the uh, you start off the fourth where four of your first six possessions ended in turnovers, and Steph had three of them. You know, but what the the type of game that Steph had prior to that, he was keeping the Warriors within that game. He really was. And then, of course, we saw what they did in the third quarter. And then in Game 4, we don't even... Uh, like. What more is there to say about Game 4? He had the greatest finals performance, in my opinion, the greatest finals performance for Steph Curry, not just because of the stats, but just because of where the team is now and where Curry's been. Like He's just, in, in totality, he's just been... He's been a more consistent player. He has been. I just, I just, I was just shocked that this was a, this was a, uh, I was just shocked that this was a story from the six two for the six two. What is it? Six two six. Steve, this is my favorite. I don't know if it's you six two six, but there's been a lot of a lot of people uh, on the text line calling me like Steuven or Stove. This one's new. Steve Legford. Next hot take. Curry still isn't an all-time great if he doesn't win the the finals MVP. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine it when he wins finals MVP and what people are going to be trying to criticize him for? Well, he didn't graduate. Yeah, he did. (laughs) Yeah, he did. He got his diploma earlier this year. (laughs) It's like... And they'll they'll do anything to try and disparage Steph. They really will. All right, let's get to the phone lines here. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Turns out that people are in this Finals MVP conversation. I didn't know I was going to be getting some calls, but as you know, screen the calls live on air because I'm in the producer studio and this is where the phone is, so I can't have a producer screening them in here. So let's get to your calls. And you, as you know, whenever I respond to you, that means that you are live on the air. All right, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Riley and Fremont. Yo, what's going on? What's going on, Steven? I mean, yeah, you, it could be a conversation, but I think that conversation ends with, no, he's not the finals MVP, but he was one of the key role players if they do win this finals. And I think with Andrew Wiggins, why he, or not Andrew Wiggins, with uh, Andre Godala, why he won it is because the Warriors were down 2-1. to one. You put him in the starting lineup and they win the next three games. So that one was more of like a consolation one. But if you look at the series as a whole, it, it has to be Steph. He had one bad game so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one bad game. I mean, thanks, Riley, for the call. 34 points in Game 1, 29 points in Game 2, 31 points in Game 3, 43 points in Game 4, and then he has the one bad game Yeah, in, in Game 5, and the Warriors end up winning by 10. <laughs> and it's like, And that was because of Andrew Wiggins. But these first four games, the reason that these guys are up 3-2 right now is because of Steph Curry. That's why. And Draymond said it on his podcast, and I love this. I really do. All these, like, the team is being very adamant that Steph Curry going over from the three-point line, even though he still had 14 points from two, I believe he was two of three from the free throw line. Uh, but Draymond on the Draymond Green show, and I think he echoes the sentiments of a lot of guys throughout the team, but he talked about Curry and his poor shooting night, and he predicts that he's going to go off in game six. First playoff game ever not making a three. What does that say to me? Hey, the Boston Celtics defense did a good job. I think he missed some that he would make for sure. But they did a good job. You have to get our defense credit. We we know their defense is as advertised. But what that says to me is game six 
I feel like he's just got to be due for an explosion because he didn't make a shot tonight. And, like, when does Steph Curry not make a shot? I've seen Steph not make many shots before, and I know how he responds to that. So to see him not make a shot, I know the response that I'm expecting to him not making a three. Game six, Clay, and game six, Steph. I mean, if the Warriors were going to win the NBA Finals and they did it in Game 6, of course you'd like to see them come back and win it at Chase Center, but that means that the Celtics had forced a Game 7, and I just, I won't be able to take a Game 7. I just won't. I need the Warriors to close this thing out. Just for the sake of, you know, my blood pressure, the heart rate, (laughs) like, I can't, I won't be able to take it. I really won't. But if Steph and Clay both go off in Game 6, the Splash Bros have themselves a game, you know, where they combine for, like, 50-plus points, that'd be fantastic to close things out in Game 6 to win these NBA Finals. Oh, that'd be amazing. All right, we're getting a lot of calls here. This Finals MVP thing, this really has people going. All right, 888 We started off with Riley and Fremont. Let's get to the next caller here. All right, caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Scott from Vallejo. Scott from Vallejo. All right, Scott, what do you got, man? You are live on the air. And this is just the same Steph haters, you know, like everybody that likes that tweet is not a Warriors fan. And people say Steph had a bad game. I mean, he still had 16 points. What was it? Uh, four rebounds and eight assists. I mean, that's, that's a bad game. <laughs> hey, bring it on. Like, Steph's going to go up again. And even if he does, then he's still an MVP. People liking that tweet are not fans of, of Steph Curry. I appreciate the phone call, Scott. Yeah, it's just it was on Instagram actually, and it's not to take anything away from Wiggins either, because Wiggins has been fi- fantastic in these finals. Is that what we're going to do with Andrew Wiggins if they win their first finals? <laughs> Is that what we're going to do? Wiggins didn't win Finals MVP. He wasn't that good of a player. And I think we will though, because this has been such a big topic of conversation. I don't think we're ever going to forget what. Uh, what Andre, or excuse me, what, uh, we're not going to forget what Andre Godala did in 2015, but we're not going to forget what Andrew Wiggins did, not only in these finals, but in this entire, in the entirety of this postseason. He's been playing like a big man. He has been responsible for some of the greatest sequences that the Warriors have had so far this postseason. And of course, toward the end of the series, that's why uh, you're going to be getting the NFT conversation. And actually, I have something on that I do want to get to. But we got one more caller here, 888-957-9570. All right, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello. I can't hear you. Call back, man. Damn, he was far from his phone. Uh, but real quick, now speaking of NFTs and all of that, and I'm going to try and tie this in uh, because he is a Boston guy and he is a Celtics guy. Uh, this is totally random and this has nothing to do with sports and you're probably going to be like, Stephen, why are you even uh, mentioning this? Uh, but speaking of Boston sports fans, I like to go on this site on Reddit called Not The Onion, which is basically a subreddit for putting headlines that sound like they would be a headline from The Onion. And if you don't know what The Onion is, it's a website that just 
it's basically a comedy website that puts a bunch of fake headlines that could be real, but really they're not. They put a bunch of stupid stuff up there. And uh, Reddit has this subreddit for called Not The Onion, where they find articles that could be put on this comedy website, but they're not. And it looks like people are blaming Matt Damon because Crypto.com, ever since he came out with that commercial on Super Bowl Sunday, Crypto.com has gone from worth a thousand bucks, or the Bitcoin has gone from being worth a thousand bucks via Crypto.com, now down to 375. <laughs> so everyone's blaming Matt David because their money's going down, all because of the fortune favors the brave or whatever that commercial was. So the money's going down, stock's going down for Matt David. All right, let's see if we can get this caller back. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. What's your name? Where are you calling from, man? Good, Kyle. I'm uh, down in San Francisco working, man. All right, man. What do you got? What do you got on the finals MVP talk? Yeah, man, I just got to say, you know, I think, um, you know, obviously Curry, Curry is, is, is the star of our eye in the Bay, you know what I mean? But I do, I do think Wiggins is making a legit run at the MVP, man. I just, I mean, his consistency and the way he's locking down Tatum pretty much. I mean, I don't think you, I think from the outside view, obviously we want Curry as the MVP, but from the outside, I think you could make an argument, man. Not saying I think Curry right. get it, but... Wiggins has been amazing, dude. He's he's such a vital piece of this team. So thank you, bud. I appreciate you, Kyle. Thanks so much for calling in and bringing that perspective. You know what? And the thing with Andre Iguodala too was, I think there was the mystique around, you know stopping LeBron James. Even though he was great on the offensive end, I think there was this mystique to playing defense on LeBron and talking about it prior to the finals. The finals MVP talk. I even brought this up. He said that Andrew Wiggins is going to be the primary defender on Jason Tatum. Does Jason Tatum really have that mystique to where they'll sway the award in his favor because he's playing good defense on him? (laughs) But you know what? In the end, though, I brought this up because of something I saw on Instagram, and really it it, it got me going a little bit because I thought this was just a you know an ancillary story to these NBA Finals. But in the end, it is. Who cares? Because I think the where was it here? The nine two five put this perfectly. Why are people so obsessed with these individual wars in a team sport? It's all about winning, and that's what it's all about. The Warriors want to get it done in Game Six tomorrow night. And I hope they will in front of all of those Boston fans. Oh, that would be so great. Plus, I just I can't do it on Game 7 on Father's Day. I just I can't do another Game 7 on Father's Day, not knowing what happened back in 2016. I still remember that day. I was very angry that day. Uh, went to the Livermore, the Vine, over in, the, uh, over in Livermore. They were showing it on the movie theater. Watched Game 7 there uh, with my pops and the family. And whew. What a sad day that was. All right. Coming up next, Bonte Hill, Joe the Butcher Boy, Shasky with the morning roast. Of course, you got me and producer Sam Lubman producing behind the glass up until 9 o'clock. And as always, go sports. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle. 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.